Hi, this is Desmond Child, and you're listening to Tom and Zeus on Shout It Out Loudcast. Oh, boy. Here we go. Pressing the button, Star Simmons. Star? Stop shouting! He's not what you would call a handsome man. Oh no, here come the kiss time. Is that a positive thing? Okay. Alright. Gonna grab me a nice cold mellow Why? Why do that to the fans? Stop it. Why? Because fuck them. Six one seven five two five zero eight. You do? Hey, fucko! Do you like? Yes. Settle down. Hello. Hey, what's up there, Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus is another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast, episode two fifty eight. Dynasty. Album review time, Tom. Oh, man. There are certain albums that, I mean, we love every album review, but there are certain ones like this that get, uh, I get a little charisma in my drawers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I get a little bit of hard times in my pantalones. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> Yes, but uh, we had the great Bruce Kulick on last week, hey and guys. we had scheduled that. <laughs> we had scheduled him to come on. He had talked about it, and we like, oh, we want to open the season with you, Bruce. Yes, and uh, but we didn't know he was going to go around doing the. Uh, I don't know, fucking make, make, making the rounds, <laughs> yeah, like he was. But we had a great time with Bruce, as we always do, and uh, because of that, we did a poll last week, Tom. Yep. What was that all about? Yep. So we were kind of commenting on Bruce's discussion and our discussion in general about what Kiss should have done, what they didn't do at the final show. So the poll was a simple one. What do you think Kiss should have done for that final show? And on the options were bring the former members on stage, show a video or photo montage, have Gene or Paul make a heartfelt speech or nothing. And tied. At 40% each, so a combined 80% wanted either the former members on stage or some kind of video photo montage. 16% they should make a heartfelt speech. 4% said they should have done nothing. So 80% of the people said that they should have been some kind of observation or recognition of the previous members of the band. Um, so, so let's look at a couple Twitter comments here. Glenn Barth, a video montage before they hit the stage could have easily been done similar to the rock and roll night video from exposed, but pick a song that they all weren't playing. And just fill it with clips of all the eras. Yeah. That's that. See, that seems too awesome and too easy to do. Glenn, our buddy Craig Moran acknowledged two of the four originals along with the two most recent were on stage. There were plenty of other important people along the way who helped them get to those final shows. At the very least, just say something. Damn it. Yes. Todd Steele. Fantastic episode with the great Bruce Kula. What a great man he seems to be. Been a fan since 75 and Asylum is one of my top albums. 
such a tasteful lead guitarist and a class act. Then he mentions uh, John Karabi and Union and all that good stuff, too. Our buddy Nige Savage says, I'm disappointed that you didn't include the obvious option of a tutorial on five ways you can use frozen basil. Nice one, Nige. Nice one. Mike says, should have done one, two, or three. Doing nothing shows how out of touch with the fans Paul is. Very, very true. Let's see what some people had uh, about the episode in general. One of our lovely female fans, Amber Fiber Magic Queen. Wow. What an amazing kickoff of 2024. First interview out of the gate is a belter. Thanks, TNZ. And thank you, Bruce. A true gentleman who more than deserved to be on that stage at the final MSG show, or at least acknowledged by the band that night. He will always be my favorite guitarist. Cameron Johnson, what a way to kick off the new year. Gerald, don't call me Saul Rosenberg. Great interview. He's such a class act. Dare I say, way too classy to have ever been associated with Kiss in their petty nonsense. So we'll just finish up Twitter there. Everybody loved Bruce, obviously, but I think he really presented himself well. Very honest, a a nice, fresh take on everything coming from Bruce. So it was really nice to hear him just kind of open himself up. And as Zeus said earlier at the beginning of the episode, we know that some of his comments were around Ultimate Classic Rock and Blabbermouth. But I think for us, and hopefully for you guys, hearing him say those words and hearing the tone of his voice and the context of everything, I think really added to what people had been reading elsewhere. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So over on the book of face, tons of comments. Um, Joey Ray Romano Romanic, God, (laughs) Murph baptized him. Bruce is a total class act, and you could tell he was hurt by not being included in the final show. I know that everyone asked if Vinny saved Kiss, but I always thought that the real saviors were Eric Carr and Bruce Kulick. They brought talent, stability, and professionalism that allowed Kiss to survive and thrive in the 80s. Both deserve to be recognized during the final show, and Kiss totally fucked that up. And hey, don't gloss over the other part of Bruce's resume that he mentioned. Homeowners Association Board President. That was somebody made a funny comment about that, yes. Could you imagine coming home from work one day and telling your spouse, hey, Marge has totally let her car- her lawn go to shit. I'm calling the former lead guitarist of Kiss and raising hell. It's like Morty Seinfeld at Del Boca Vista. <laughs> that is such a great observation. Kevon Japson. No oh boy. Giggity, 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 giggity. Classy, honest, so heartfelt. He gets it. The last show was such a letdown. I really felt bad for him. You could tell he was hurt a bit. He's the best. What a way to kick off 2024. Thanks, guys, for another great interview. Ronnie Bacharski. Great way to start the year. Bruce is every bit as awesome as a person as he is a guitar player. Probably the best soul in gunslinger out of any of the KISS alumni. The fact that the entire world was dealt a dirty douche nozzle at the last show is bad enough. But, But to not acknowledge or invite former members who they never had any drama with, to not even attend is a bushel full of dicks. Not only did Paul and Gene bukaki all over the fans, but they shit on a member who helped carry the flag and still does. I know Bruce still takes the high road, but I'll be angry for him. 
Fuck Paul and Gene. <laughs> stupid asses for this snub. But let's invite Chris Angel instead. If you can even catch a glimpse of him in between his lips around the round Paul's balls. Oh, God almighty. I could go on forever. Anywho, loved it, guys. Keep up the great work. Wow. Tell us how you really feel about all that. Yeah, thanks, Ronnie. Oh, man. And just to speed things up, some great comments from Scott Greer, Brett Roscoe, Charles, don't call me Mark Eaton. Um, and it just, it, it, it everything is always positive when it comes to Bruce. I mean, the reoccurring theme is Bruce's class act. Bruce is such a great guy. Wow, I can't believe Bruce is in, uh, is, is biting his tongue and things like that. It's all compliments. Let's go over to loud casters. Daniel Haller Houston. Great episode. A young guitar freak. Bruce was the reason my Kiss fandom reignited. He's a consummate professional. Steve Wright from the Potter Than Hell podcast. Love Bruce. Always classy taking the high road. Jack Pinocchio. Mm. Bruce not being asked at all to play there by Kiss on the last show makes me think that neither Ace or Peter were even asked at all. Even with all the talks months before Peter and Ace have been asked, it never happened. It never was. Kiss just wanted to play the last show and end it. All talk. I I agree with you, Jack. I, mm-hmm. I don't think they wanted them there at all. I think yep. Paul was like, you know what? Fuck them. This is my time. I've earned my time in Kiss. I'm not letting them come up and take my fucking pride and, and my hard work away. I really think Paul thought that. Oh, yeah. Of course he did. Yeah, I agree. The great Joe Decker. Yeah, Joe. Such a class act and quickly becoming one of my favorite members of the band. Of course he was hurt. Yes, he's a pro, but he has feelings. His contribution to the band is so appreciated by the people that matter, the fans. If Paul's ego is too big to handle the truth, then shame on him. Have fun freezing Hazel. Love you, Bruce Kulik. Uh, the Greek Thunder from Down Under, Thanos Akratides. Well, this episode is very much a class act by Bruce Kulik. Ace if you're listening, take a leaf out of Bruce's book. This is how you should be. Boys, great interview. Thanks for allowing Bruce to convey to us exactly how we felt. I certainly felt disappointed comes through in the interview without being part of the end of the road celebration. Most of us agree that it should have been handled a little better than it was. Uh, Bruce has a great opportunity now to concentrate what he does best. New solo album, maybe even get a union back up and running or even get 80s Kiss tribute. I'm sure he'll kick ass. Wish nothing but the best for the guy, and I, for one, would support anything he does because I know he would be brilliant. Tom and Zeus, thank you once again for beginning the year with a killer interview. Yeah, thank you, Thomas. Uh, yeah, Jason Warden, solid interview from someone who's genuine and has no agenda. Just gave his feelings without personal attacks. It's a shame Kiss has chosen to ignore him in his era in the end. 
think you guys nailed it. To kiss, this isn't the end. It's just the human part, I guess. So no goodbye or shout-outs needed. Just a new sales pitch. And to hell with Bruce and the fans. Bruce deserved better. And we got a couple of nice ones, too, from Josh Brown and John Clifford as well. Uh, that's what we have on Loudcasters over on Instagram. Uh, Melander Phillip puts, hey, great episode. Bruce, man, great player. Maybe Tommy will join Grand Funk. Uh, Junior Vintage, awesome stuff from Bruce. Really hoping the release of the Kulik Brothers records happening on vinyl. P.S. A hidden gem in Bruce's solo career is Dirty Girl with Doug uh, Figer from The Knack off of BK3. One of my personal favorites. That's a great album. Yep, BK3 is awesome. Over on YouTube! A shit ton of comments and views. Oh, my God. Yeah. YouTube was nuts this week. JMJS Channel of Awesomeness. Bruce was the best guitarist in Kiss, not to mention one of the nicest and most humble. I hope he releases a book about his time in Kiss. Kiss Remasters film. This was a friggin' fantastic, lads. Up there was one of my favorite episodes of your show. Keep up the great work. And thank you for bringing us great content. All right. Thank you. About the funk. This is another home run episode. Bruce is the genuine article. Truly a good person. Shows loud and clear. <laughs> Basket case 6999. At the 1 hour 33.45 mark, Bruce possibly gives the furthest he's ever gone by saying he felt uncomfortable around Vinny at Creatures Fest. <laughs> Doesn't want to work with him again. <laughs> uh, jukebox Cowboy, very good questions and equally considerate responses uh, we could sit here all day and go through these yep. there is a ton of positive comments i didn't see i'm not joking people not one person i saw said oh bruce has got to get over it or bruce is wrong or bruce is a, this and that everything was complimentary to bruce everyone amazing talk mm-hmm. to you now let's blow through a couple emails here we got one here Kind of on a side note here from King of the Nighttime Turd. <laughs> hey, guys, I was putting Christmas decorations away with my wife this past weekend. While she was handing me boxes to put in the attic, I couldn't get somebody fought on the minibus out <laughs> of my head. I even tried, oh, Mickey, you're so fine and still couldn't shake it. Thanks for that. That's a way here. We provide a service. So our buddy, Nicola Cassieri, happy new year. TMZ just finished the latest with Bruce. Zeus said it the best. Bruce is a class act. Bruce would have every right in the world to be angry or bitter, but instead he continues to champion the band. And as he says, wave the kiss flag for all of us. What a great year. 2023 was for SIOL. I've thoroughly enjoyed being a member of this community. The guests keep getting better. D. Snyder was fantastic. I enjoyed the great songwriter episodes with Holly, Jean, Mitch, and Desmond. Such great content. 
Looking forward to see what 2024 has in store. Here's hoping Neil Davis puts on another event this year for all of us fans. Up next for me in a few weeks is the Jericho Cruise. I'll be front of the pack for quarantine and all the other great events he has in store. And then he submits a question of the week, which we always love. Anyway, look forward to more SIOL in 24. Best, Nick. Thank you. And, yeah, again, tons of great feedback. We're going to wrap it up here with an email from our buddy and fellow New Hampshireite and Patreon, AJ Alex White. What an amazing way to start the year. Such a great interview, guys. Nothing but class from all angles. You have both gotten so great at conducting interviews. Always word the questions properly and professionally without beating around the bush and leaving things out. And as far as Bruce goes, wow, so humble and classy. All of the band members should be able to learn from him. As always, can't wait to see what's next. AJ White, New Hampshire. AJ, buddy, you've been such an awesome, contributing, supporting member of the SIOL community. We can't thank you enough. Great email. Thank you so much for all the kind words. And you, my friend, are our comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. Like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> Thank you, AJ. You are the best. Loved hanging out with you that one time. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll see you again soon. Absolutely. But, Tom, yes. I've got to jump in because... uh AJ is a Patreon member, and we got to thank them. Uh, as we always do, we love to give shout-outs to the Patreon members. Our buddy Joe Decker rejoins us on Patreon as a Demon Tier member. we got to give a shout-out back to him. Uh, Joe is fucking one of the longtime members, and it was a blast to finally hang out with him in person at the uh, End of the Road final shows in New York. Best part of the shows <laughs> was meeting all the, uh, you guys out there, to be honest. But regardless, uh, Patreon is where people can come and help and support the show. You guys like what we do. If you guys want to see us continue, you want to help the show, join Patreon. We have a, a link to it right on our landing page at shoutitoutloudcast.com. You click on that or you go to Patreon the app or patreon.com. Uh, and you look for Shout Out Loudcast, and you subscribe to one of the four tiers that we have. Each one is a different level of a monetary contribution. In each one, you get different perks, whether it be involvement in the show, polls, uh, ARC picks, merchandise, uh, video chats. Uh, all of it is available to you. Most importantly, though, What you're doing is supporting the show, and it's a huge help to us. We say it all the time that Patreon is one of the main reasons why this show has been able to continue to grow. And uh, we'd like to hope that you guys will, uh, some of you, they'll take a peek at our Patreon, see if you, uh, something you can join. Hopefully you can and contribute, join the Patreon family and have some fun. Thank you. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for all of your generosity and all your contributions. And as always, we like to give a little bit back to you guys with being part of coming soon, getting a sneak peek on that, being involved in what we post on our social media for Flashback Friday, uh, video chats, all hooking up and getting together and just being on the Patreon platform together as a family. It's amazing. And of course, the album review crew rotating picks that we let you guys get involved in. So please check us out, patreon.com, or click on the link on our website at shoutoutloudcast.com. Tom, what we do next is we go 
to Kiss World and uh, Crickets. Yeah, Crickets again from Paul and Gene. Uh, more Ace stuff, just that he announced new tour dates for 2024. Whatever. Tommy I'm gonna, Thayer. I'm going to play constantly cute on this tour. You guys won't want to miss it. Yeah, we do want to miss it, but that's, yeah, we do want to miss it. Uh, Tommy Thayer came out and had some comments. He did an interview. Uh, he said, I feel good. I'm just unwinding and decompressing a bit. I'm happy and relieved the tour went so well, particularly the final couple of months. It was great. Somebody asked him about, well, they didn't really ask him, but the article frames it. It says, well, former Kiss guitarist Bruce Kulick recently expressed disappointment at the way the farewell show panned out. Tommy Thayer said, quote, I take it one show, one song at a time. I wasn't thinking about the finality of it all, but again, I'm super happy with how the band came to end this. Well, of course he's going to say that. He's not going to say anything else. Uh, and then he talks about the avatars and how it's going to take time to get them right and everything. You know, I guess in short, really no, really no news. There's nothing going on in Kiss World right now. So, yeah, we're all waiting anxiously for yeah. anything to pop up. You know, maybe a, a, an album release and things like that in the next month or two, uh, or reissues and stuff. That's what we're hoping it'll come down the pipe. Who knows? Yeah, the only thing you got coming up is uh, next month in February is the 50th anniversary of the the debut album. Uh, for the 45th anniversary, they released like a black and white, just colored vinyl. There was no no special packaging, nothing. Obviously, we say it every week. Until further notice, the deluxe box sets are on hold, so don't expect a 50th anniversary debut album box set, which sucks, unless between now and then. But those things take months, sometimes years to prepare. So I don't know how they're going to acknowledge that. Maybe with a fucking T-shirt or something. But yeah, other than that, quiet. No, they bring the gold bar and smash it over your fucking head. And Ooh, charge okay, your, I'll do that. And charge you 400 bucks. Okay. Sign me up. <laughs> uh, all right, Tom. Let's take a little break. Get ready to prepare for Dynasty. <laughs> Dynasty. We're talking about the New England Patriots football Dynasty. We're talking about that album. We cut that disco crap. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right, we're back. Yeah, Ace uh, is really impressed with Dynasty. Uh, he says his three songs are the best. And I tried to explain to him that, you know, one of those songs was not even written by him. What are you talking about? Mick Jagger, Keith Richards. I know those guys. I used to be in the Rolling Stones myself. That says so right next to my Grammy. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the kinks. What are you talking about? Yeah, Big fan of Keith Jagger and Mick Richards. Great, great musicians. I like that drummer, Charlie Potts. Great guy. I can keep up. I'm as cognitive as Mick Jagger is these days. I can I play guitar as good as he can move on stage. <laughs> what are you doing? All you do is make fun of Ace. What's the matter with you guys? Yeah, all you people out there need to calm the fuck down. I know he's selling tickets on Groupon right now. Oh, yeah, we, forgot, we forgot to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just funny. Look, I saw Kiss had tickets on Group One at one point. Course, and yeah. there are a lot of bands did uh, do these days. It's a way of, you know, they're making their money. The it's the venue that sells them on Groupon. And stuff. But it just got funny because everybody was piling on, and all. You, and once in a while, you get the the people that don't listen to the show, don't know anything. I don't understand what the why the why people need to harm and f- make fun of Ace. I don't understand people being mean. I do because Ace is currently his tour. I I look because I'm a friggin' kiss tard. I look mo- those venues are all about th- they're all about a thousand seat venues, give or take a thousand seats. So for all the friggin' jerking off he does about how great he's doing, you're playing yeah. thousand seat venues. Ace, why are you talking about Tom? Do you see my YouTube clips, dude? You're comparing your YouTube clips with like. Fan related fucking end of the road concert clips, which right. the end of the road's been going on for four years, and you're wondering why you fucking can get more views than that. Right. Come on, dude. Right. Come yep. on. Yep. Uh, all right. So, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss Dynasty. Usually, what we do is we talk about the uh, album, how we got into it, our first thoughts of the album. Before we do anything, why don't you lead us off, buddy? All right. So you're going to have to bear with me here because of all the things that we've talked about on this show, all the things in history, all the nostalgia, all the memories, including Love Gun Dynasty is probably not probably it is the clearest, earliest memory I have over an expanded period of time is Dynasty. I remember getting the record in 1979. I remember getting it for Christmas because I was made for love and you was huge. Disco was huge. That song was big. My parents had the Saturday night fever soundtrack and that's what people, you know, had a stereo in the living room. 
and this song was being played. So I got the record and I was so excited, but I have two vivid memories of this one. I was terrified of the album cover because Gene Simmons scared the shit out of me. (laughs) And I used to like hide it. Like I didn't want to look at it, but then I would go over and I'd want to look at it. But then the second thing is we'll get into it in more details, but just as part of the conversation here, the insert poster of the band, I had that hanging on the back of my bedroom door, six years old. Every time I would shut the door, I'd see the fucking band dressed in black with Gene with that menacing side glare. And I just remember, and we'll get into it more as we talk about the album, the track by track, some of the memories I have. But this is one of the most vivid, crystal clear, nostalgic kiss memories that I have in my entire life. So I am just, I can't wait to get into this album. All right. So for me, Tom, uh, you have the the, the most, it's the most vivid memory. For me, it's my last vivid memory of kiss when I was a child. I blank out. I don't remember unmasked at all. I don't remember the elder and all that other stuff. That's when kiss kind of fell off my radar. Cause it fell off the radar of my older brothers and cousins. Mm-hmm. So dynasty. I remember vividly. Mm-hmm. I remember the cover, the four faces. And I remember I having two other cousins and me and my brother. And we would be like, I'm him. You're him. You're him. And I was always Peter. Hence the costume at the time for mm-hmm. Halloween that you see. I always like to show. Um, and I remember the music a little bit, but not much. When I came back into Kiss, when I started getting into middle school, sixth grade, and I felt and I, and I went and visited uh, Detroit. My cousin is playing uh, Animalized Live Uncensored, and go. That's Kiss. The same cousin that got me into them. Are you drinking a Gene Simmons money back soda ginger ale? I was going to say it in the middle of the show, but free advertisement for our boys. That looks good. Now I want one. I think I'm going to have to order one from them. Dude, they have a dude, big special this for the next 30 days, don't they? Yeah, dude, the, it's, the soda's fucking incredible. And I'm not even a huge ginger ale guy. No, you're not a soda guy. You like diet I'm not. drinks. I'm, but... I like like seltzer and stuff, but I'm, I've been yeah. pounding the friggin' orange and root beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the blood orange is awesome. So the, good. The root beer is the best. The best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I like the ginger ale uh, yep. specifically as well. Yeah, and they do have a special out there. No, they're not a paid advertiser. They're just good friends. Exactly. They have a special out right now, and I think Gene puts in like some signed magnets randomly. So maybe you guys can get one anyway. Um, so going back to this, I, I got back into them in like middle school and things like that. And I, you know, your mind is, it's just, it's funny what you remember as nostalgia. And then you remember kiss alive too. You remember love gun. You remember Detroit rock city and all that stuff. But when I looked at the dynasty and went back into them, like, I don't remember any of these songs. Because none of them were on a live two. None of them were on d- double platinum at the time. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of foreign to me. But I remember that album as though it was my last childhood kiss memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people our age are going to feel the same way. Yeah, I agree. So let's get into what we do next. And that is the album itself, the cover. Now, very Beatle-ish. The four faces right in the cover. About as 
iconic a Kiss album cover as the next. Legendary, I would say. Not only is it, you know, a lot of bands put the four heads just to be like, this is us. But this is Kiss in makeup. And the fucking clearest photo of them that you can fucking imagine. And, you know, it's got Peter at, I think, his best makeup style. The one that he, we're used to. I think he looks fucking super cool. I think everybody on the album cover looks super cool. Um, I fucking love it. Love it. Yeah, let's talk about, there's a lot to talk about here with this album, the packaging, the cover, et cetera. But the cover itself, again, I mean, to me, again, I'm a Gene guy. That's who I go to. He's not sticking his tongue out, which is shocking because you would think that that's what he did. Instead, he has this menacing, eye-popping, under, like, growling kind of whatever you want to call it. Paul looks friggin' awesome. Ace looks great. Peter looks like he's fucking stoned out of his mind, which I'm sure he is. Yes. And one thing that always that people always talk about is again, this is complete kiss tard central here, but a lot of people comment on the what appears to be the unevenness of Peter's green eye makeup. If you look at it closely, it's it's it that that's him making like a face, I think, with his with his eyebrow or his eye. Cause because there's other pictures from this photo shoot, which we'll talk about, where his makeup is on point. And the other thing about this, this is not a group shot. Yes. This is a collage of other photos because the one big, the one person who was holding up this thing was Paul because he didn't like any of the way his pictures were. So they had to do a lot of uh, old school 70s cut and paste to get this the way it was. Yeah, he didn't like his hair. And then, okay, that's not a good face photo. Yep. I I mean, look at it. Look how clear everybody is. It's amazing. Look how close up everybody is. Yeah, Gene looks like the roar. Yep. From fucking Phantom. Yeah. Um, Peter, I love the earring. It's showing in the picture. I love and, that. Yeah. And he does look like he's fucking coked yep. out or something or him and Ace. Yep. But yeah, how fucking incredible is this? And the photo shoot, too, if you look at it, I mean, you can see it online in this books and magazines. The photo shoot is it's really cool because they're all wearing like straight jackets and there's other mm-hmm. pictures of them. With the art director, you know, whatever the Dennis Wallach, the guy that's been involved before, there's pictures with him. Like, so the outtakes of the photo shoot are really, really, really cool. And if we want to talk about the insert, the the poster that I was talking about that I had hanging up on my bedroom wall, which interestingly enough, which I think is fucking kick ass on the vinyl, the label is that poster. It's not the Casablanca. The it, it the label is that insert poster. And the poster is them all in black. They blacked out all the straight jackets because they thought 1979, it might've been a little bit kind of too aggressive. Cause at that time they were coming off kiss meets the phantom and all the toys and merchandising. And they knew that their audience was a little bit younger. So they said, oh, let's black it out. I think it kind of looks a little bit more creepy poster wise with that. So that's kind of cool. And then again, speaking from a vinyl perspective, and I'm sure this is on the CD insert too, the, the multicolor kind of image that you have, Kind of defies the whole disco thing because that's like a disco, like like a disco ball kind of yeah. you know I- imaging colorful. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be the full colors of the solo albums, but it really gives it that like Studio Fifty Four type kind of imagery, you know, of the era. Uh, and another thing on the back of the album, I don't know why they do this. Maybe somebody knows more about this than I do. I'm sure they do. The songs on in 
the right order, like Love Gun. <laughs> they're just they're just on there, and I I never understood that. And another thing that I noticed when I first had this album, I remember looking at where it says songs written by, and at the time I'm like, who's Mick Jagger and Keith Richards? What is that song? What is that? And we'll get into that. Uh, and and again. What are your thoughts on everything going on inside and outside with the album cover? Yeah, I, I like it. Um, it's different. Um, you know, the headshot photo photo inside too. There you the go. Black yep. turtle, almost like turtlenecks. I, I think it's very Beatlesque the yep. way they're lined up like this. I, I think it's pretty cool. And they had like some merchandise order for them, and then obviously the color poster that we've been referencing. Yep. Um, I think it's great. Yeah. I think they they fucking hit it out of the park with this album, yeah. I, I, the cover itself. Yeah, and apparently the straight jackets actually somebody took a cab down to Bellevue Mental Hospital and came back to the studio with four straight jackets. Oh, God, I'd fucking boil them before I fucking put that <laughs> shit on. <laughs> yeah, so hey, my, mine smells like puke and diarrhea. What's hey, going guys, on? I'm having a hard time getting out of this thing. Yeah, Ace, that's the point. It's a straight jacket. Oh, jeez, I thought it was just me, because I have a hard time zippering my own coat. I can't, I can't play Fraction Mirror with this thing on. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, legendary, iconic, and it's a photo. They, they ha- Think about it, there hasn't been a photo since Dress to Kill, right? Because Destroyer, mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, Alive 2 had photos because it was a live album, and then Double Platinum. So you haven't had a photo of the band on the cover since Dressed to Kill. Yeah, and then you also had the solo albums, which are all fucking... Which are all artwork, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the album itself information. Mm -hmm. So Dynasty was released May 23rd, 1979, produced by Vinnie Poncia who had done uh, Peter's solo album at the time and then goes on to do Unmasked as well. A trifecta in travesty, as far as production goes, in my opinion. Um, (laughs) The album went to number nine on U.S. Billboard. It's certified platinum at this point. Peter was demanding they used his guy, Vinnie Poncia, or he was going to quit like the million other times he wanted something or he was going to quit. Yep. The band members each brought in a bunch of demos. So what they would do is they all brought their demos and they played for each other. And the producer, uh, Vinny, uh, Peter had brought in uh, Dirty Living, obviously. And he also had two songs ended up on his solo album, Out of Control and There's Nothing Better Than You. Can you imagine <laughs> if that was on Dynasty? Oh, There's God. nothing better than me. Oh, they say we broke all the rules. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. And then some unreleased song, and you can find it on YouTube, called Rumble. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I played it. I'm like, how bad could this song fucking be that he couldn't make it to out of control? Yep. It's actually not bad. Yeah, it's, it's a not, good it, rock, element, rock element to it. I think if they fucking played with it, it could be a rocking tune. Yeah, it, it could have easily at least made it onto out of control. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ace obviously brought his three songs and something called Backstage Pass and Insufficient Data. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't wait for me and you to talk about that. Whenever I found that when we were researching this Insufficient Data, remember I said that in Phantom of the Park. I figured I'd write a song about it. 
I'm going to write the next song called They All Lose Their Heads Over You, Paul. <laughs> Followed by the B-side, Gene's Brother's an Only Child. <laughs> My next song's called... <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm laughing. So one of his demos was called Backstage Pass, and not that that's like some copywritten yeah. obscure thing, but I find it interesting that that was Paul's book title friggin' 40 years later. <laughs> I had a song. I changed it later, but it started off as the cashew spinning. <laughs> by the oh, way, man. it's by the way. Speaking of anniversaries, forty-five years in May for this. So mm. we'll have to see if they acknowledge it. They get they acknowledge the, they acknowledge the fortieth anniversary by putting out a green vinyl. I don't know what that uh, has to do with Dynasty. But. Paul had brought, you know, he wrote with Desmond Child and Rouge, which we'll get to when we get to uh, I Was Made for Loving You, yep. uh, the song called The Fight, which they put on Desmond Child's first album. Yep. Gene had I Just Begun to Fight, Reputation, Bad Loving, and obviously the tracks that made the album and probably a thousand other ones that never made it. Now, um, the funny thing about Reputation is that is on, if you remember, Love they Gun. only... Sadly, only released it on CD, but the Love Gun Deluxe Edition Reputations on there. So that was a demo all the way back from from the Love Gun era, which is actually not a terrible song. And we've talked about Bad Bad Love, and it's on the box set. That's that's yeah. a, a great tune too. So, yeah, um, you know the big thing about this album is basically the tension with Peter. He had yeah. injured his hand, couldn't play, and supposedly, depending how bad you want to shit on Peter. It got to the point where, uh, you know, Paul will make it a little bit more ugly and say his own producer said he couldn't play on the album that he was. And then Gene would say he said he was tone deaf. He shouldn't be on the album. He's not talented enough to play on this. He can't do like, like, dude, why don't you just say, you know, Peter wasn't ready to play. Yeah, He wasn't going to be able to keep up with it right now. He was injured. He was battling some demons and, you know, this and that. Uh, but at, at that point, they brought in. A friend I know is from, he's from West Africa. <laughs> I don't know. I think, oh, wait a minute. Was that South Africa? <laughs> His name is Anton, Anton Fig. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I think it's funny how Peter was like, oh, you, you got to bring in Vinnie Ponce here. I'm going to quit. And then the story, depending on who you hear it from, is like, great, you're off the album, Peter, because you can't drum. <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty bad. Yeah. But in addition to that, though, Peter says in his book, that Paul mm -hmm. began to poison Vinny against him. Uh, he said he didn't feel betrayed about Anton playing. I was happy they got him. I didn't really want to play with them anymore anyway. Like, dude, you sound like a four-year-old. Well, I didn't want to play the game anyways. That's yeah, you literally would take my ball and go home. Like, what yeah. the fuck, dude? Yeah, you yeah. got cut from the Little League team. No, I didn't yeah. want to play with I, that I, team anyways. That, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yes. Dude, yes. it sounds so immature and bad. Yep. The other big issue that was happening around this time was that Bill and Sean had broken up. Yep. And Bill had sent Sean to go do some other shit. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, Sean's not around. And this is the beginning of really the huge decline. I don't think it's a coincidence. No, you're right. It's funny. We talk about all the things that Sean Delaney brought to the band proactively. But you can also see how important sean was to the band when you remove him from the band because like this. he had the relationship to tell each one of them when they were exactly. bullshit that's right that's and right. nobody else was because yep. in addition to this yep okay they they had broken up and paul even mentions it in his book mm -hmm. Vinny 
was then brought in uh, Vinnie Poncia, that is, as the peacemaker and was taught by Bill what to say and what to do for each of the members, what they liked and what they wanted to hear. So all he was doing was going around appeasing everybody based upon what Bill was saying. Oh, don't say this around Peter or, or or make sure Ace does this. And nobody's communicating. Whereas, you know, that stuff wasn't what was going on when Sean was around. No. And and of course, get, you know, getting back to Peter, obviously, the, the I mean, everybody knows the story. Or if you don't, you know, you'll find out now. Peter was there for dirty living and that's it. Like most of the band didn't even perform together at all with this. It was Hmm. the most piecemeal album you've ever heard. And the fact, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but the fact that the album came out as well as it did is kind of shocking to me. Well, the difference is they didn't bring really outside musicians. Correct. Each member just jacked up on all this stuff. Dude, you want, you want to bitch about Ace or Peter only played on one of the nine songs. That's what I mean. Gene only played bass on four of them. That's right. He only yep. played based on four songs on this album. Yep. So, you know, and now you got a, a different aspect of this, too, is Ace is coming off Rocket Ride, Shock Me, and his solo album. Solo album. Terrific. So he's empowered, so, super empowered. Yeah. And he says that the band was kind of receptive to what he was wanting. Ace says, the success of my solo album gave me the confidence for Dynasty. And that's the kind of thing that I think. I mean, Ace from Love Gun to this is fantastic. Uh, and I'll, when and I'll you get into in. when you get into Unmasked and other shit is when you start losing him. I think well, at this that, point, well, that, Ace wait, was that, exciting. That, that's, that's for you because I think I think Ace's songs on Unmasked stand out. I know you hate that, Ooh. and even his and even his song on uh, the Elder Dark Light, I think, is a standout. So, I mean, long story short, everybody talks about Ace's contributions on. This out because he's got friggin' three songs on this album before, before the most he had was one. So yeah. yeah, you could definitely see that the band was like shit. He has man. more albums than fucking Gene. Yeah, yeah. Gene has friggin' two songs. First of all, there's only nine on the whole album. You know, which which right there is kind of crazy. And only two of them are Gene's. Yeah. And this is only the second album that's had four members sing songs on that's an right. album. Love Gun with was the Love first. Gun. Yeah. Yep. And yep. but the difference here is Peter's the only one with one on this one versus right. like the ace with the one on that. Um, I I find the this whole dynamic of the band kind of changing has a huge impact on this album. The the kiddies coming in, they're the friendlier, and then the whole disco change. The biggest part to this, too, is the producer they brought in. So Vinnie Poncia is a pop producer who did stuff with like Ringo Starr and things like that. And he brings in a pop sensibility and totally diluted the rock aspect of it. And they mentioned it that all of a sudden the band was saying in different parts of each one of their books and stuff, like all of a sudden we're going from guitars to keys and synth. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge difference. The other, thing too, yeah, the other thing, too, that's really interesting about this era, and it doesn't really get talked about too much. Bill O'Coin even said it. It was 1979, you know, 78, 79, when this album's being worked on. They were thinking of, they, they were thinking about taking the makeup off now. Yeah. Because they, they were because they said they weren't getting respect. They, you know, they were saying that Rush could walk into some place and get recognized because of their popularity. Cheap Trick could go someplace and get recognized. 
they said that they didn't want to be a kiddie band. They wanted to cut out the merchandising. And they thought that the only way that that could happen right now was to take the makeup off. And Bill said, I was against all of that. And that was the beginning of the downfall of Bill Coin's relationship with the band because the band wanted to continue to progress. And Bill was like, no, I don't think we should do that right now. Yeah, it's funny, though, in a, you know, taking a step back, though, Tom, yeah. um, Paul takes his shots at Vinnie Poncia. Oh, totally. And then they work with him later on again. His, but- his revisionist history is painful. He, yeah, go, go, but go ahead. What does he say about Vinnie? Yeah. I like some of the songs more than the production. Too sanitized. We lost some edge. We lost our balls on that and unmasked. I know, but see, I hate saying that. And this book came out in 2003. Of course, you're going to say that now in retrospect. But in 1978, 79, when you were putting this album together, this was you, Paul. Yeah, but he says it. He, He keeps insisting. The songs were better than most of the production on the album. Okay. I'm going to say something. I'll say something right. I'll say something right now. And obviously we'll get into the more specifics when we talk about the songs to me. I know you, especially and a lot of people out there hate unmasked because it is unbelievably poppy, slick and polished to me. I think dynasty hits a sweet spot where it's slick, polished and poppy, but still has a lot of rock elements to it. Everybody, the cliche is dynasties, the disco album, because if I was made for loving you, you listen to a lot of these songs, the rest of the album There's only eight other songs. There's not a lot of disco. There's slick production. There's pop influences for sure. But I think this was the beginning and they really just went friggin' balls deep on unmasked with that style. So like a lot of bands, everybody can have an album. That's a little different. Yeah. If they stayed with this, I agree, and then went to Creatures of the Night, the Lick It Ups, and things like that, I yep. think people would this album would be adored as a different album. But the I problem think- is, it becomes thrown in with followed by Unmasked, followed by Music from the Elder, and that's where you have the issues. But yeah. I, I agree with you. What you have here is um, a completely different. It, it is not a, as as popish. In synth and keyboard no. light as unmasked. I think this is fine. I, I think the band and they talk about it. We're looking to become more credibility, better songs. Yep. Songwriting wise and songs. This is one of their best albums. I There's totally fucking agree. Nothing really cheesy on it or nope. terribly like fucking. I'm going to put my log in your fireplace. Or- There's none of that. And a lot of the songs are kind of autobiographical. I mean, you listen to what Peter wrote. You listen to what Ace wrote. Even Gene's song Charisma. I mean, we'll get into it. He he wrote that based on what pe- some what people were talking to him about himself as a person. So you're right. There's not a lot of like suck me, fuck me songs. on it. There's actually none. Yeah. And if you if you take a look. The songs are fucking great. Yeah. The problem is, and I do agree with him, there's some production uh, problems with it. Yeah. But I can't complain about I Was Made for Loving. It's perfect oh, no. for the way it is supposed to be. Yeah. Same thing with Sure Know Something. Yep. I think. Uh, and, I, I, and I will say, both of those songs, we talked about this before, whether it's ARC or Kiss here, whatever. Sure Know Something and I Was Made for Loving You are great songs because the alive three version of Ira is made for loving you is fucking awesome. And the unplugged version of Shorto something is spectacular. And that's how you can tell that a song 
is a great is, song. It's a great song. It doesn't need to be produced in a lab to sound good. It could be stripped down, unplugged, or it could be plugged in with all the guitars and bass that you want in an arena for a 1992 Revenge Tour album. So I think that's why both of those songs, even when they play I Was Made for Loving You Now, is there fatigue factor? Yeah, of course there is. But it still sounds great, like electrified, as opposed to this. Yeah. On Behind the Mask, yep. Paul says two to three stars. Gene talks about, for his side, that they wanted to change the material, get new blood. We decided to bring in a guy that would bring in a totally different point of view. And that was producer Vinnie Poncia. Two stars. Yeah. Peter? Peter says things were really shaky. Uh, a three. He gives it three stars. I demanded Vinnie Poncia produce the album or I'd quit. I think I made a real solid move. Either he comes in or I go. Good album, but not great. Bad vibes. Yep. I was getting ready to leave, and that was a sort of in the back of my head. Ace, I enjoyed working with Vinny. That's the one thing I didn't like about the record was the departure from rock and roll to the disco tune. And I have to say, it was a hit, and it's a good song. But I don't think it had anything to do with Kiss other than Paul wrote it and played on it. I'd give it three and a half stars. And then, and then these are the kind of comments that I can't stand in, in that revisionist history. Gene follows up by saying, I think Dynasty and Unmasked were wrong albums to do because we lost our essence. Okay, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but just like when people, and I'm not comparing these albums in any way, shape, or form. I'm kind of you know comparing the mindset or the transition or the growth or whatever you want. It's like when Metallica made the Black Album. People are like, what the fuck is this? Nothing else matters. You just wrote friggin' Master of Puppets and, and Justice for All. What is this? But in retrospect, the Black Album is a fucking great album. It's just a different Metallica album. You don't hear James Hetfield being like, yeah, you know, we kind of lost it when we wrote Nothing Else Matters. They're fucking playing it now live in 2024. And and yeah. I hate when I hate when when bands shit on stuff that the fans love and dynasty is a beloved album it might be maligned and people might be like, ah, it's poppy disco, but it's not unmasked. It's not the elder people like dynasty. And I, I just hate that revisionist history to be like, I mean, if he wants to comment and say, you know, Oh, at that point we're playing baseball stadiums and we were doing all these kinds of toys and we were doing all this shit. Okay, fine. I get that. We lost our way was, and shit. Right. Yeah. But I think this was a logical progression, especially with the state of music in 1979. Yeah, it's funny, though, but <laughs> Vinnie Poncia says, we had a great time making the album. Uh, they were, It was really Paul and Gene involved with the basic tracks. Ace was there every day working on it, but he would go away while we did the vocals and all the background. Gene and Paul were there every step of the way. Mm. That, doesn't, like, that, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. It's the same thing every fucking time. But it also sounds um, like Vinnie Poncia doing the friggin' work of Paul and Gene to make sure that make sure you say what you think you should say. But they were there. They were doing the work. And you know, Peter only played on one track. Then why uh, did Gene why did Gene only contribute bass on four tracks? Because he didn't want to. Yeah, exactly. It's my that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah there's, there's oh, yeah, I'm other- here. I'm just I'm here. I'm just not gonna contribute to the album because I think it sucks. <laughs> Yeah, Peter writes in his book about it. How many fucking tracks do you think Gene wrote? Do you know how many songs Gene fucking skipped out on playing bass on? You guys would be shocked. It's in Peter's book. Oh, yeah. He talks about it all the time. Like, fucking Gene barely plays. I don't know if it's laziness or what. I don't need to play. I'm going to go get a sandwich and some old pussy. 
I'll be back. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Right. But yep. the other aspect of this is the return of Kiss. Because oh, yeah. Kiss was releasing basically almost two albums every fucking year. Yeah. And they'd gone a couple years without a studio album from the band. So it was the return of Kiss. And it was now Super Kiss with the capes and all that other shit. Oh, God. Yeah. In addition to that, you had the new dynamic of business managers taking over and Bill getting pushed aside. That's right. And this was all happening too. Yep. You've got Peter basically the beginning of the end of being out of the band. You got Ace feeling, you know, a little bit more confident. This is a lot. Sean's not around. They're having to come up with new music. Any other band. It's very this, different. It, any other band dynasty would have been the end of the band. If, if you read about what was going on from the, from the members of the band, all the way to management to, you know, to production, this, this would have killed pretty much any other band. And if it did, it was a fucking fantastic run. But it, yeah. it, it's a miracle that it didn't kill them at this time. Yeah, but think about it, what it would be like if Kiss ended at Dynasty. They'd be probably even legends because they didn't, they didn't go through the unmasked music from the Elder. They, they kind of ended on and, this. And it was the four members. It was always the all four members. And they still had a huge fucking hit with I Was Made For Loving You. You oh, may yeah. not like it, yep. but they were still like doing like noticeably out there. Yep. So that being said, Tom, let's go to the first track. On Dynasty. Here we go. loving you everybody knows this song everybody loves this song they're going to try to tell you that they don't but they do and that's okay because we both love it or at least i do fatigue factor yes one of the most overplayed crossover kiss songs ever but it's got an undeniable beat it's got an undeniable groove it's got an undeniable chorus the breakdown with the solo it's a perfectly constructed song to do exactly what it was meant to do which was become a hit and pull in a new audience and it's probably one of their best lead off tracks off any album that they've had wow 
I was made for loving you written by Paul Stanley, Desmond child and Vinnie Poncia. The first single it made it to number 11. It's one of two gold singles by kiss. The other being Beth. Paul plays rhythm guitar and bass on this. Ace obviously does the, the solo and, uh, and then obviously Anton Fig is playing drums throughout Yep, that gunshot effect. Love it. Love it. That's uh, Anton Fig. I, I, I saw. Yep. Yeah, he says, I came up with the idea of the gunshots in there. Yeah. But one of the biggest accolades for this song, do you remember this back in 2013? There was no. a German TV show called Chart Show, and Kiss was chosen. Kiss's I Was Made for Loving You was chosen on this show as the number one party hit of all time. <laughs> Told you in Europe, you can't escape it. Every time I go to yep. Greece, it's huge. It's their biggest yep. worldwide hit. No, it's doubt. not even close. It's huge. Do you ever yep. see the videos of like hundreds and hundreds of people playing a song outdoors? I've seen them play uh, it Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yep. Uh, and I've seen I Was Made for Loving You by mm-hmm. all these musicians playing it outdoor, people with makeup on and stuff. The song is just worldwide really popular. Yep. Uh, Gene says he fought it slightly. The idea of the song, obviously, we've heard him snicker about it. What's my part? Yep. And he's like, I hate it. Peter says in his book, the first out and out track is a disco track. Flushed what little credibility we had at the time down the toilet. Dude, sadly, he, I think he's right. The credibility. Yeah. I but mean, he needs I, to be the one not saying that because, dude, you look at the popish album you put out, right? But again, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean back on and forgive me. My second favorite band behind Kiss is Metallica, but I just keep using the Black Album as a thing. Metallica lost incredible amounts of credibility from their diehards, and then they also introduced an entire new generation of fandom with the Black Album. I'm not yeah. saying Kiss necessarily did that Same. with Dynasty, Same. but. It, they you got know, a huge amount of fandom. Yeah. Peter, Peter said, Ace was incensed. What's the deal with this disco shit? We're a fucking heavy metal band. Okay, first of all, you're not a heavy metal band, okay? That, that's the quote from Peter. Yeah, relax. In, in his book. Paul says, at Studio 54, I heard all these 126 beats per minute songs. And listened to the lyrics and thought, gee, I can do that. No, Paul you can't. Desmond, Desmond Child can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I could also, and I'm thinking to myself, and I could also learn how to crochet. Doesn't mean I'm going to fucking do it, right? Well, yeah. What well, you just spoiled what we have coming up for Shout Out Loudcast, the, <laughs> the crochet club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul said Desmond helped with the verses, and Vinny did the chorus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul is really, really unapologetic about the about the success of the song versus everybody else. Hedges about it, like ah, oh, this was kind of well because oh, it was put- his because it was his creation, he, and he knows it's popular because he wrote a fucking hit. monstrous hit. Exactly, the lyrics worked, the music worked. He tried something different, and it worked. Of course, he's gonna love it. He ain't gonna let people shit on this, and he didn't really complain about the production on this song. Yeah, Vinnie Ponce had a good line. He said this was the first time Paul and Gene got involved in something that smacked of commercialism. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, right. really? The first time? Yeah. I think you're a little bit mistaken there. Yeah. My right. Right. But let's right. talk about the song. I, yeah. I think it builds up the way Paul's delivering the first couple of tonight. 
Oh, I'm going to give it all to you. It's like, it is a buildup of a great song in the darkness. I mean, it's. it's, Yeah. And and then, and and then it's like, boom. And then the chorus, it's like. And then the guitar comes in. He's going. Oh yeah. The little solo. And then the breakdown, the. It's, it's all, it's all again. It's awesome. Is it overplayed? Yeah, of course it is, but any popular song is overplayed. Yeah, and um, the other uh, part, the, the chorus is just fucking catchy as all. It's, you can tell Desmond Child wrote it. It's, live, it's like living on a prayer. It's, it's it, 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 it sing-along. It's celebratory type of thing. It's like, I'm going to raise my hands up and sing this song. It's a gang-type vocal song where a crowd can sing it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's got Desmond's fingerprints written all over it, and that was and cool. Other, we got to talk to him about it. Yeah. What other thing is, we heard it straight from the horse's mouth on this that, podcast. Go listen to the episode. That's right. Desmond says this is the first disco track with guitars. Mm-hmm. Right. The guitar is driving the song, and yeah, it's a little different. He says that this was music history the way yeah. they did this. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. Now, Tom. We don't get to do this often with makeup albums. There's a video. Oh yeah, I absolutely. I'm so it's funny. I want to, you know, at the beginning we talked about this. I talk about my love of Love Gun in that era, but Dynasty is just a hairline there. I love, I love these costumes. I love this era. Eventually, we'll do an episode on the Dynasty tour as part of our tour series. But this video, this shoot. In, which with this song and another song I'm going to get to is just fucking so awesome. It's mind blowing how awesome it is. The yes. colors, the visuals, the the look of the band, and when Extreme Close Up came out, our heads were just like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah, you the uh, the YouTube clip of this video, yeah, it's got like six hundred and seventy eight million views. Imagine that. And my, I know. Ten thousand votes. It's got like half a million already, too. Yeah, I was just clicking around. And I noticed that I, uh, you know, I'm doing a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then fucking Johnny Coolball's home video of uh, Kiss singing. Say yeah. yeah. You're doing so good. You're playing at the fucking National Carnival in the spring. Okay, Ace. <laughs> in, be- in between the clown show and the juggler, I gotta come out. I also got a part-time job operating the Tilt-A-Whirl. <laughs> it's a real crazy ride. A couple drinks on the Tilt-A-Whirl. Ooh. If you if you come by and want to say hello, maybe I can sneak you off a box of popcorn or something like that. Give me 50 bucks. I can guess your weight, too. I'm real good at that. How do we end up? This is what happens. We just can't help ourselves. But let's get back to that video. Yes. The video, the shiny guitars. Gene looks like Bootsy Collins in there, oh. like hovering, and he's well, so slapping funny. the and he's slapping the bass. <laughs> it's like he's. I mean, he does look fucking. I love the Dynasty costume. Those like big dinosaur fucking boots and the cape and the red and in the drum riser that that Peter like the it. It's a fucking disco video. I mean, let's be serious. I mean, Paul's little fucking blouse that he's wearing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> game blouses <laughs> and that dress and those shoes. Yeah, but the best part at the one fifty five mark, Tom. Yeah, I had to count this down. Yep, <laughs> Ace does the thumb point. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, I was <laughs> made for loving. And then he points his finger out to the crowd. Oh, my God. And the, the, funny thing, the, the, the funny thing, too, in this video and the other one that we'll talk about, it's so fucking obvious that Peter isn't even playing the drums because whatever he's doing isn't even going to the beat of the music. No, Peter you just looks I mean? like he's stoned back oh, there. Yeah. Look, he's got his head kind of bouncing. Makeup, yeah. His makeup from this whole era, the, dis- the fucking Dynasty cover. Oh yeah, and the videos. Yeah. He is the coolest looking Peter Chris. I think he looks. Yeah, it looks great. Yep. But there's also another section where there's a close up of Paul. I think he's doing the cake in That yep. falsetto part. It's real close up to his face. Paul, I think it's a two forty seven mark. I put it down. Paul's got really bad Jack Edwards piss teeth in this. Oh, video. I noticed that too. <laughs> I noticed that the coloring from yeah. the video or they the all, camera. They, yeah, he's, he's got, got some, like the he's got like the broken piano key thing going there. It's like what the fuck, dude? He's got some Jack Edwards piss yellow teeth there. I, I don't big, know what's going on. He's got on. some big ass teeth. <laughs> he has some big ass teeth. <laughs> but anyways, that's I was made for loving you. Let's go yep. to the second track. So we go to another cover song here, a deep track hidden in the Rolling Stone catalog, 2000 Man. And I remember when I first heard this, we talked about a little bit at the beginning. I'm like, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, fucking six years old. I don't know who they are. I was like, what? So I play it. I'm like, damn, another ace vocal. Like, this is wild. Like, and it starts off like with just that thumping drum beat. And you're like, it's got a cool guitar going. Ace sounds great. And then when it kicks in, like, all right, this song kind of friggin' rips. It's got a really cool solo. 
it's got like a nice breakdown and the chorus is great. I mean, I think it's a really cool song. I think this is personally, I think this is like a top tier ace track, even though it's a cover the original version by the stones. Mm. It start it, it starts off really quirky and weird. And then as it evolves, it just turns into like a, like a, like a sixties rolling stone version of 2000 man. But um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really cool. And of course, he's like, I like the song. It was written for me. It talks about computers. <laughs> <laughs> Insufficient data. <laughs> I can't believe that was a freaking working song title. Oh my god, <laughs> Ace Frehley, two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. <laughs> Anyways, the song was written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Ace says it's uh, his buddy, Chris Cassoni, an engineer, came up with the idea to cover this. And Ace said that it doesn't sound like a Kiss song, but he he, he the, the title caught his eye. And, uh, you know, he ends up playing it. It comes on uh, basically on the Unplugged version, too, as well, which is fan-fucking-tastic. Love it. Um, yeah, and uh, he said, try it. So I jammed on it one day. It's a spacey song with spacey lyrics, so it fits my character. It's like the song was written for me. It talks about computers and all that stuff. Love it. Yeah, and so one of the things is that um, Dynasty gets criticism for is that it's like kind of all over the map. Yes, different types of songs, and Poncia mentions that even on uh, Behind the Mask. Uh, mm-hmm. This was Ace's idea to cover the Stone songs. It's a good version. Knowing the album was going to be a little bit left or a little bit right, Ace was trying to keep the lifeline open between the old Kiss fans. Two Thousand Man um, is a real raw rock and roll from the standpoint of how Ace feels, how he plays guitar. That's fair. Makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. Now. I've always liked the song. I think Ace does a uh, a really good delivery. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck Mick Jagger was doing on his. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's but, so bizarre. Yeah, and uh, it's trippy and shit. It is. This one yep. here, I think Ace pulls it off well. It's a well-written song. He does a good job on it. The guitar on it's pretty good. The yeah. solo's decent. And, and and he can perform this. It's right in his range. And I yes. think this is a great second track for this album. Yep. I find it interesting that the album leads off with a mega hit and then goes right to an ace track. Yeah. Now, granted, um, granted, granted, there's only nine songs on them and three of them are aces. So they're going to be. So, yeah, they want to mix bit, them out a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, but I and I love it because I wish, though, Gene's one of Gene's tracks was on this side. So you could have a, a track with four songs for I agree. Gene, all four members. That would have been I, great. I was thinking the same thing. Agreed. Yep. All right. Let's go to track number three.
or no something. So we talk about this before. And I think we actually had a, it as a question of the week not long ago about things that we've kind of learned about ourselves over the course of doing the show for five years or how our tastes have changed or whatever. I've always liked Sure Know Something from the first time I heard. I thought it was real catchy, had an awesome groove at the baseline. I fucking love this song. I mean, this is, I, I'm not going to spoil any re- album rankings or overall song rankings, but this song. One of my all-time favorite Kiss choruses ever in any song and any album that Kiss has ever done. I think the chorus is fantastic. And this is also one of the rare songs that has a breakdown in it that doesn't ruin the song for me. A lot of times when these when Kiss does breakdowns like the Bob Ezrin shit, I'm like, oh, God, you fucking just friggin' shit on a great song. I think the breakdown here is fucking fantastic. I think Paul sounds great. The band sounds great, and I can't wait to hear what you think about it, and of course, the video. Sure Know Something, uh, written by Paul Stanley and Vinny Poncia. It was the second single, and it made it all the way up to 47. Uh, Paul does rhythm and lead guitar, uh, and Ace plays some guitar on this as well. And then obviously there's Anton again. I'm a huge fan of the song. I liked it. I saw the video uh, in college. I ended up loving it Mm. over time. I continue to love it. It's grown on me. It's my daughter's favorite kiss song. Nice. It just, it's, it's what they were trying to do. I think write great songs. This is a fucking great song. And you know it because like you said, when you play it on the unplugged, it's a fucking incredibly written, well done crafted song. So, I know they were going for it on music from the elder, but this is critically, this should be their best fucking album. Um, oh, the I, songs, the songs the the, the, Yeah. The songs on the sound and, and, and the choruses, the way the choruses, excuse me, the verses, the way the verses are kind of moody. And then when you get to that chorus, I've been a gambler, but I'm nobody's fool. And I sure know. I mean, and then when it kind of just evolves into the solo, a great solo by ACE, and then you have that breakdown. It's just, I just think it's a really like not to put Kiss down because I just think it's a it's a really really spectacularly crafted song by Kiss and we don't say that a lot about the songs that they wrote. we say we like them or this rocks or whatever this is a well I think this is ten times the song that I was made for loving you is in my opinion oh absolutely yeah and uh, for me I I can't I can't say enough. Uh, Superlatives about this song. It's me fucking incredible. Agreed. I, I fucking love it. Yep. And one of the main reasons why I love it is that video. Oh my god. So just a, like it's so crisp and clear, and you can hear the drum, the drum. Yep. And you look over. Peter looks stoned out of his mind. Oh, Gonzo. and he's just looks like he's on a fucking like like high as hell, just banging away the drums like groovy sixties guy. And just, he's got the earring. He looks so super fucking cool. Yep. And then, gee, the, whoever's doing the camera in this video. Killed it. Perfect. The way, oh. like, it, like, scans across. Like, and then, and Gene's the Gene, like, and he's, like, lurking in the video. Because yeah. he's, st- he's still trying to be menacing, even though this is kind of a pop song. Yeah. It, it's, like, he does, like, the image of him breaking through the wall. Yeah. From, from Phantom. Like, yep. oh, hands and stuff like he looks menacing like you said yep. 
like like a lizard or something like a fucking monster dinosaur more so than like the demon it just looks like a creature ready to fucking pounce the video itself oh again uh you got <laughs> the there's a great part in, around the 144 mark ace just to say and ace oh i love like, it yeah like ace is getting into it too as well and then the 303 mark Paul walking and then like singing to the camera after the fucking chorus and they come back. I've yep. been a gambler. And the camera's like walking away from him. He's walking towards the camera and it just, you know, and I love everything about it. Whether when Paul at the end again sings for the second time, starry eye oh, and points it. to his eye and stuff, Amazing. everything. And then that bridge, that middle part in the video where they all pull. Ah! With- and then they and then they're posing for the picture. It looks like they're posing for the album cover. Yeah, and then and then, and then the best part, ah. the best part is Paul licking his lips and then going, "Ooh, <laughs> my baby, I want to make love to you." Oh my god! And Gene, it's, Gene does the thing when he comes up. It's like oh, his head, his chin inc- is tucked in, and he comes up like almost incredible. like a shark coming out yep. of water. Yeah, it's just fucking incredible. And then the whole. Ah, and then Paul's like pointing the camera. Ooh. It's yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then I've been a gambler. The the last chord that comes out from that bridge. Oh, it just show no sign. And Peter's going nuts, and the band is Peter's, going yeah. Peter Peter plays the drums differently on that kind of oh. outro chorus. He's kind of oh. banging them a little bit differently. It's I'm, well just, in the video. We I know it's not Peter playing it, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll do videos at some point. I'm not yeah. sure anything can top this. I no. really don't. And this you is know? a funny. This is a funny line. So Wikipedia, there's actually a Wikipedia page. Yeah. For for sure, no something. Yeah, because it's a single. And right. Exactly. It- yeah. But it's funny. It says the song musically and lyrically is darker than most Kiss songs, with the song being played at a minor key, in the lyrics referring to being overwhelmed by the loss of virginity. <laughs> really. What? Where, where, where did that interpretation come I from? I lost my, I broke my cherry and it's nobody's <laughs> food. Anyways, it's a fucking classic. I love, I love this. It, and the unplugged version is just incredible. Yep. All right. Let's go to the next track. <laughs> So now we hear from Peter. This is Dirty Living. Dirty Sanchez. This is one of his old songs that he had kind of with like lips. That band, <laughs> terrible name for a band. L- L- Louis Lips. <laughs> Louis Lips. Louis Rocco. He wrote it with Stan Pendridge. It was right after his band Chelsea had broken up. Uh, he, he Peter goes, this song's way ahead of its time. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> 
Uh, he goes, there were fights that were so bad. They had to give me at least one song. Uh, but anyways, I think this is one of Peter's best. Now, granted, we don't have a lot to choose from because at this time, Peter, his vocals were, you know, Hard Luck Woman, Beth, Baby Driver is kind of a rocker. And obviously, you know, Black Diamond, Hooligan. I think Dirty Living. I love the production on this. I love the chorus. And I love how it's, you know, I'm sure it's embellished, obviously, because it's a Peter Chris song. But I love how it's like autobiographical, just talks out, you know, he's just talking about life on the streets mainline out of china talking about fucking drugs and shit i think it's a killer friggin' peter song dirty living written by peter chris and stan penridge farms cookies <laughs> always love this song yeah i love the guitar on it me too it's almost like a little slide or something yeah whatever he's doing is fan fucking Fantastic. That's why I like. Uh, that's why I like the production on this album. There are certain songs where I think the production adds to how much I love these songs. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of slick elements to it, but I still think it rocks. I think this could have been cleaner. I think it, it becomes. I think it got watered down. I don't know what they did to it. I, 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 I think it mean. could have been more raw and more rock. Oh yeah, the power yeah. is fucking awesome. Yeah. The other issue I kind of have with this song is. It's fucking four minutes and 27 seconds. Like when you're at the two and a half minute mark of the song, you're like, there's more two minutes left of this. Okay. Can I jump in here on this? Because that it's funny when we go back and you like listening to an album to do like a review of the album. Yeah. There were a couple songs on the album where I felt the same. I'm like, ah, oh, song's great. I'm like, wait, there's two minutes left. What, what else are they going to do here? <laughs> yeah. It's the same like, thing. It just repeats. Right. 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 Yeah. And so I don't know. This is the only track that Peter really played on. That's the other aspect of it. Right. He's got uh Ace and Peter and, and Gene on this. They all the whole band played on this. So that's great. It's really the only track. But the vocals almost the background singers almost sound like some a female uh, group or something, not really Yes, it's, it's weird. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of an it's a I like it, but it, it is kind of like jarring when you first hear it. You're like, ah, it's kind of weird. And I wish Peter was more Peter from nothing to lose on the outro when he's saying, yeah, at the at the yeah. end of the at the end I want him to go nuts. Peter yeah, Chris, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Because he's kind of singing it too much. I know. You yeah, mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. And but the guitar on this this song is fantastic. Awesome. Ace does yep. a great job on it. And yep. it's an underrated underrated cut, I think, for for Kiss. I love Dirty Living. Yeah, and, me too. You know, Peter writes about stuff that Kiss wasn't writing about. So, uh -huh. You know, the drug scene, New York in the 70s. Where are you going to get that from Paul? All yep. right. Let's flip the album over side two with this.
Charisma. One of my all-time favorite Gene songs. I know this can be polarizing for people that might not be Gene guys. I think this is vocally one of his best demon-type vocals without it being a demon song, you know, like God of Thunder or like War Machine. I think this is a song again, like Dirty Living for me, where I I like the production. I like that it's got a like that it's not like raw and heavy and stomping like God of Thunder. But there are so many different things to this song. The layered vocals in this song, especially near the end, at the the part of the verse where he says, Am I the master? When he's like, Am I the master of your soul? Listen to that on headphones. You can hear his deep, deep deep undercover vocals layered on top of his regular singing voice. And it sounds so menacing and so haunting, but there's a funny little personal story about this song in 45 years later. It still happens to me when I had this vinyl record. I got it when I was six years old, when it came out, when I used to listen to this, the part of the song, when he's like, what is it that gets you so hot? Oh, hot. My record always skipped on that part. So Gene would just keep saying hot like a hundred times. <laughs> Even to this day, when I listen to this song, I play the skip in my head because that was the only version of the song that I ever knew. Um, but but I, I know, you know, some people love it, hate it, whatever. I just think it's I love his vocals. And I think it's also kind of cool that he wrote it from something that Howard Marks said to him, kind of talking about, like, how do people like what? Why does everybody like just love you and coming up to you? And he's like, I don't know. What is my charisma? Is it my power? Is it my fame? He goes, yeah, because I'm cool. <laughs> it's because you're good looking. <laughs> no. All right. Charisma written by Gene Simmons and the aforementioned Howard Marks of all people. Ah, for me, I never really got it. It's the chorus that kills it. What is my charisma? What is my? I love how the I love how it's like the background. What is my? Is it my money? Oh, my name. What is my? Charisma? Oh, and then one thing before. If what I about that you, part? If I can cut you off one one quid. How about the breakdown? Kind of like the white snake hands over the head clapping part. Yeah. Where where it's just like, where, you know, it's the, just what is you my give charisma? love a yeah, bad e- name. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Shot through the heart. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. The, there's so many different vocal gymnastics that's going on in the song. What is my charisma? Like that robot voice that comes that, in sometimes. That, that Joe Walsh singing? <laughs> what is my charisma? That's a song written by kids. I don't know. Um, what is my charisma? Then there's like, what is my charisma? What is my what is my? Yeah. You got you got you got what I need. <laughs> Women just be throwing their panties on stage. Yeah. Uh, just, I, I don't know. I never really got into this song. I, I get it. I, it's I get the it. chorus. I think that gets it. It just, it's psycho circus type of chorus. Just yeah. you're repeating the word, but it's not rhyming with anything. It's not catching. Yeah. Um, you know, is it my money or my, <laughs> just, I, I just, I don't know. I know, but I will say this. It is a favorite of many a kiss fans. Yeah. This song, it's a very favorite deep cut by a lot of people. Yep. Um, so let's go to song number six, and that's this. 
Magic Touch. So it's weird because another one of the things I've discovered throughout this podcast over the years is that people love this song, apparently. I don't get it. I think this song is kind of a mess and it's kind of sticks out for me on this album where it plods along. There's really no groove to it. I know it's like, it's a slower down tempo song. There's really no chorus. It's got a horrendous falsetto breakdown in it. That is just like a little hint of what we're going to get on the elder. Paul sounds great. Paul sounds fantastic vocally. And another thing we talked about it with dirty living. The song is too goddamn long. Yes. It's way too long, but I think it just doesn't go anywhere. It, 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 there's no real groove that you can hang on to it. And I think when it's like, she's got the magic, like the drums are just kind of not, I don't know. This song never really did anything for me. And I was really shocked to see the amount of people that like really, really dig into this again. Maybe it's because Paul sounds great vocally, but this was always kind of a weak spot on an otherwise, you know, album that I'm, that I'm a fan of. So magic touch was written by Paul Stanley. I know he performed this when he was doing his solo tour. Yeah, and it doesn't sound bad. It doesn't sound bad. Paul says of the song, Magic Touch was a great song that unfortunately got mucked up when it was recorded, as did a lot of songs on Dynasty Unmasked. In other words, Vinnie Poncia. Magic Touch was a song that was really powerful and really heavy and get kind of wimped out. Just the wrong vocal interpretation, wrong way of singing it. But I like the song a lot. It was ballsier. Uh, but we were dealing with a more poppy approach to our songs and working with Vinny. He's right. Because when he performed this live on his solo tour, it sounds really good. Okay. There's not a lot of verses in this song. The chorus repeats itself way too much. I don't even know if there is one. It's just like, she's got the magic. Yeah. That's That's the chorus. They start, they lead off with, she's got the magic. Yeah. Paul doesn't usually do that. No, it's very rare where you'll get the chorus in the beginning of a kiss song. Yeah, as great as Sure Know Something was constructed as a song, I think this is a terribly constructed song. Yeah, and but the it's catchy though. She's got the magic touch. Yeah. But that dun, but that dun. but that breakdown. Oof. Oh, you don't like the falsetto. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Uh the guitar on it is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and Paul plays the lead on that as well. And the bass on this song as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I like it. It's just repetitive. Yeah. And uh, let's go to the next track. Number seven.
we're back with Ace Hard Times. Man, again, Ace is just crushing it right now for me, at least. I mean, as as good as 2000 Man was, Hard Times is just a killer of a song. I love how at the beginning part of kind of each round of verses, you got like the sound effects. One verse you got like, it sounds like a friggin' slide whistle. Then another verse, you actually have like a, like a police whistle. Um, this is kind of cool. Cause it has like a long outro, but I like it because there's a lot of like kind of guitar noodling. And it's just like the Cause I really like the, I really like the bones of this song. And I think it doesn't really feel like it's long for me as it progresses. And I think the lyrics are great talking about, you know, went to the park and spaced our heads out and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's ace, but I think the chorus is really cool. And I think it fucking rocks even with the dynasty polish on it. Hard times done by ace freely. I remember when I got back into kiss and I was hanging out with some hunks from the projects and they were <laughs> kiss fans and they would always play the song and they love the part where yeah. go to the park and space our heads out. Yep. You know, they used to, you know, when you're younger, you're like, oh my God, you hear what yep. he said? And again, this is what I want to judge Ace on. Songs like this. Yep. Good songs, well-written songs, decent songs. It's doable from him. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, you're getting <laughs> Torpedo Girl. I like Torpedo Girls. <laughs> Choose one. I like that song. I can't, I, you know, but yes. I... I know, I get it. Well-crafted song about, he's like he said, about his high school days in the Bronx. Uh, and behind the mask, Ace goes, Hard Times is one of my favorite songs that I've written because the lyrics talk about when I used to go to high school and cut classes. Dude, you, you it's one line. It's not all about you cutting classes. Who says it? Cut classes. He goes, he goes I went to high school for five years, laughs. I was a sophomore for two years one year. I partied away. I don't remember half the things I did. <laughs> That's lovable ace back then. Exactly. This song is a good rock song. It gives people uh, that love this shit about Kiss credibility. Mm-hmm. It, it feeds that that street cred that they lose when they do I Was Made For Love and You Sure Know Something. Mm-hmm. Ace brings it back, which is okay. We have some songs like that. We can appease you here. We have this. It's not a disco album. You got hard times on this album. You got fucking uh, your charisma. Hey, <laughs> magic touch, and the, you know they're not just fucking disco shit. So yeah. Anyways, I like the song. The guitar work on this song is great as well. Uh, let's go to second last track, and that is a song by Gene.
X-Ray Eyes, another song that kind of takes a beating from the people that don't like charisma. Uh, I know a lot of people think this is Gene's weaker album because he only has two songs and none of them were really popular hits, although charisma is kind of a deep cut that's gained some love over the years. I love X-Ray Eyes. I just always have. I love Gene. I think the chorus is really cool. It's got a really neat solo by Ace. I think the guitar solo is really awesome. And then as the song kind of wraps up, you get those little laser beam sound effects. You know, when he's like, I've got X-Ray. It's like, like Star Wars type sound effects. I, I, I love Gene. There's a lot of stuff he does that I'm not a big fan of. But something about this album and for all the things that people say about the production as being a negative, I think it adds itself to a song like this, to a song like Charisma. You know, I'm not going to try to tell anybody this is a, a hit or it should have been a hit. It's just a song that I really enjoy. I think Gene sounds good on it. X-Ray Eyes written by Gene Simmons from Kiss. And um, I've always liked the song. I think it's catchy wow. as hell. Um, I, I love the verses. Sometimes you, you say you don't, you don't want, want my sounds love great. today. Yeah, he and sounds great. Oh, that's just fucking pop perfection. Yep. Love it. I love it. And then I've got extras. I can see right through your lies. Come on. That's fucking fun shit. It is. Yes. And behind the mask, Gene says, that song just happened. I can see right through your lies because I've got x-ray eyes. In those days, I was constantly in the studio doing demos. Even when I didn't have material, I'd force myself to go in and see what happened. And we all know that about Gene. Yep. That he had that work ethic that he's going to write songs with the stupidest lyrics, stupid stuff, because quantity over quality mattered to him versus his partner, Paul, who was all about, I'm not going to fucking finish a song unless it's going to be a good song. Exactly. Um, yep. And that's I why, find that's this what, interesting. That, yeah, that's why Paul doesn't have a vault like Gene does. <laughs> yeah. Here's a vault of some shitty material <laughs> that couldn't make it on my asshole CD. It's 14 alternate takes of my uncle is a raft. Enjoy. Yeah. But I, I I just think this song is such a great deep cut. It's a fun fucking song. It that's a surprise is. to me. Maybe uh, that's a surprise to me. That's yeah. that's a nice that's that's a pleasant surprise. Oh all right. Let's go to the last track on the album. You are my woman. got ace again wrapping up the album with save your love another fucking great ace tune 
But whenever I think of this song, I just think of Paul's background vocals in that chorus. Save your love. And that's the other problem that I have with the song. The chorus is a little bit grating on me. You talk about a repetitive chorus, but I like how you have Paul, you know, singing the chorus and then you have a savior love. I don't want it like over the chorus. I think that's great. And then it's got another really long, long outro where he's like, so long. And then <laughs> yeah, that's I our love, favorite. We love, we love, we've always loved that even before the show. And then you just kind of got like some guitar noodling and the band kind of just kind of jamming a little bit. It's a great song. I think the chorus is just not great. That's my kind of problem I have with it. What you mean the lyric, but now they're gone. So, so long. long. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I, all right. So save your love written by Ace Braley. Uh, another great track from Ace. I love this song. I love the fucking, I love his contributions on this album. This is Ace at his best. As I said, I want to judge him on this because I know this is the high that he can get to. Hey, what about lyrics like this? You were my woman. I was your man. You were good looking. You know, I was your biggest fan. Poetry. (laughs) You try to give me some some popcorn and cashews. <laughs> I don't know. I fucking love it. I know the chorus gets on your nerves. Save, your Save it. Love. Save it. Save it. <laughs> but it's fun and it's a good and I love his vocal delivery. It's like laid back ace. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Uh, you try to change me and mess up my mind. Yeah, you don't hear ace getting that emotional before. Now, don't rearrange me. It's over now, now. And the drums come in. And then you got a killer fill by Anton right there. Oh, reminiscent of like his solo album. Of which I will say, now that the album's almost at the end, I don't even really notice him. No, not on this. No, 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 no. I notice him on, on Ace's solo album. I don't notice the drumming on this thing. I think it's a normal drumming. I don't know. All the drum people. Oh, I can tell right away. That's not Peter off this album. I can't fucking tell. I have no idea. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's the last track. Nine songs, Tom. Final thoughts. I mean, this album is just really, really special to me. You know, like I said at the beginning, it's one of the most nostalgic, special memories of a Kiss fan that I have. Receiving the album, having the album, the poster, listening to the music. Like I said, for I mean, 45 years later, I still hear the skip of charisma in my brain. Uh, but all that aside, all the nostalgia, all the love, all the memories, I fucking love the album. And I love the album similar to why I love Love Gun. All four members perform on it. You have some standout tracks, hits, quote unquote, but then you have an album with a ton of deep cuts, just like Love Gun. And I just think it's a really great listen. I think the production is interesting. It's not unmasked, you know, but it's not harder than hell. It's not rock and roll over. It's it's slick, but not too slick. And I just think it's a really fun listen. And I I just I never get tired of this. This is always something that I that I pull out and listen to. Yeah, for me, Tom, I, it's the last of my young child uh, kiss memories. Yeah, uh, the songs themselves. I mean, you'll see when we rank this, I I don't think there's really a bad song on here. No. And I think there's some good ones. 
and a couple great ones. Yep. And for me, I think this album has grown on me over the years. It's I feel like it's the ugly stepchild of the makeup kiss. Oh, totally. You, it's the you cousin always, Oliver because it doesn't get mixed in with the the original six. You always that's right. You always say, "Oh, the original six. Be like, "No, no, 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 no." You're sleeping on Dynasty. Oh, that's the disco album. Yeah, or and then people don't because there's a lot of deep cuts on this, not songs that were played live. Really, the 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 songs that kind of made it after this were Two Thousand Man Show No Something on basically on the Unplugged, and then I Was Made for Loving You is the only one that's really survived. So I yeah, mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, it 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 didn't get beaten into the ground for me. I love it. I can't wait till we start ranking this stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start with the songs. Um, let's do the nine songs first. You want me to start? Sure. All right. Pretty simple. Number nine, Charisma. Oh, God. Not, that's even, a, not even close. Not even close. That's a no. dagger to my chest. Oh, God. Uh, number nine for me, not even close. Magic Touch. Magic Touch is my number eight. Okay. Now, Magic Touch is the weak link in the song. I still like it. The rest of this album, I've changed my rankings quite often. It's very, very difficult for me because the next eight tracks, I mean, there's a standout one, two, maybe. But so anyways, number eight is Save Your Love. Wow. Yeah, it's tough. I know. I I love the song, but it's tough. Now, I would say the same thing with me now, the next nine, uh, seven songs here. Yeah. Looking at this, I would probably say I'm going to go with, and I'm, I'm literally picking this as we go. I'm going to go with Hard Times. Oh, wow. Okay. And I love the song. Yeah. Uh, number seven for me, 2,000 Men. Uh, number six for me, I'm going to go with, I'll go with 2,000 Men. Number six for me is I Was Made for Loving You. Number five for me is uh, Dirty Living. That's also my number five. Number four for me is I Was Made for Loving You. Number four for me is X-Ray Eyes. All right. Um, Number three for me is Save Your Love. Number three for me is Hard Times. Two for me, X-Ray Eyes. Wow. Two for me, Charisma. Number one with a bullet, not even yep. close. Not even sure close. Some, yeah, sure knows something. Yeah. I don't. I would have to go back and look at some data there. Insufficient data. <laughs> to, to, to see how many albums we've had with slam dunk, same number one picks. Yeah, not I'm probably sure. not much. Probably not, not many. Not many, because we do have, for all the variety, and we do like a lot of stuff together, but I mean, we, we, I had charisma too. You had it dead last. I know you hate that song. We had... So, Tom, you asked uh, songs that we've had is number one, both of us, Rock and Roll Night, Mr. Speed, Radioactive, War Machine, Heaven's on Fire, Tears Are Falling, Turn On the Night, and You Love Me to Hate You. Yep. Nice. So there were some. I don't know if we had any as, you know, confidently as number one as this one. Oh, this was but, a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, as much as, I, as, as much as I love Charisma, it had no shot at knocking out Shoto something. Let's go to album covers, Tom. Yep. So do you want to uh, tell everybody what your album cover ranking is so far? All right. So we've done 20 albums so far. So my ranking starting from 20. These are album covers. Animalize, Crazy Nights, 
Sonic Boom, Monster, Asylum, Music from the Elder, Revenge, Hot in the Shade, Psycho Circus, Unmasked, Hotter Than Hell, Paul Stanley Solo, Kiss Debut, Dress to Kill, Ace Freely Solo, Peter Chris Solo, Gene Simmons Solo, Creatures of the Night, Rock and Roll Over, and Love Gun. Oh, God, I love this album cover. I love this album cover. But it's competing against some really, 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 really stiff competition here. I mean, that my top five or six are just ah, iconic. But I am going to, I love it. It's nostalgic, but it is a photograph. Oh, God, this is so hard. But I'm going to put it at number four. I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it right below Creatures of the Night and right above Gene Simmons. So I'm going to put it at four. You like Creatures better. Yeah, just because I just think the colors and the effects on their eyes, you know, it's not just a straight photograph. There's some, there's some, you know, some artwork being done there. It it gives impact to the album title and the album itself. So I think that's why I like the creatures. Okay. Yep. All right. My top 20 reading from 20 to number one, uh, animalize music from the elder, hot in the shade, unmasked cycle circus, sonic boom, revenge, monster, crazy nights, hotter than hell asylum, Paul Stanley, solo album, kiss debut. Ace Frehley solo album, Peter Chris solo album, Creatures of the Night, Dress to Kill, Gene Simmons, Love Gun, Rock and Roll Over. I'm putting Dynasty at number two. Above right under, Love Gun. Above Love Gun and under Rock and Roll Over. Wow, number two. Love that photo. I can Ooh. stare at that forever. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I could put it, nothing's knocking off Love Gun, spoiler alert. I could put Dynasty at two, three, four, five. I mean, I, at this point, they're all just epic, epic covers, depending on your mood. Yeah. So why don't we go to the big one, Tom? And that is albums themselves overall. Okay. Why don't you read your list? All right. So for me, number 20, Sonic Boom, Monster, Peter Chris Solo, Music from the Elder, Psycho Circus, Animalize, Gene Simmons Solo. Creatures of the Night, Ace Freely Solo, Harder Than Hell, Asylum, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, Unmasked, Paul Stanley Solo, Rock and Roll Over, Kiss Debut, Revenge, Dress to Kill, Love Gun. This is probably the easiest album ranking I've ever had to do since Love Gun. Number two, Dynasty. Wow. Not wow. Even, not, uh, not even close. There's not even, not even a hesitation. Not even a hesitation. Wow. Yep. Number two. All right. All right. 20 for me is Monster, then Unmasked, Gene Simmons solo album, Cycle Circus, Animalize, Asylum, Sonic Boom, Ace Frehley solo album, Music from the Elder, Hot in the Shade, Peter Chris solo album. Yes, I have it at number 10. Crazy Nights, Dressed to Kill, Hotter Than Hell, Paul Stanley solo album. Then my top five, Love Gun, Revenge, Kiss, Creatures of Night, Rock and Roll Over. Uh, Dynasty's going in number two. Yeah, baby, I knew it. I knew it. Just nothing I really dislike on it. Between yep. the cover, the nostalgia, and the strength of the- Sure Knows Something. And you got all, f- in, in any album, uh, I mean, it's not a coincidence that my top two albums have all four members on them. 
that just variety of singers. Yeah. It carries a lot of weight for me, you know? Yeah. Um, I just like, I can put sure. No, something up against Mr. Speed and those guys will compete. I just think I would rather, I mean, see you in your dreams and charisma can battle it out there. Um, I just feel there's a lot. uh, The other songs a little bit harder and, um, and yeah, Creatures of Night doesn't have really anything on the sure no something compete level. For right. Me. Fair. It's nice. just fucking it's another one of those great albums with very few skippable songs, if any. Yep. Uh, but Dynasty, yeah, number two for me and number two for you. Oh, I bet you a lot of people are going to be surprised. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm going to say right now, I'm a little bit sad talking about two of my favorite albums are in the bank now. Oof, I don't like this. Yeah, we're getting we're, close to wrapping them up. Yeah, we're getting near the end of the discography here. So, yep. all right, Tom, what we do next is uh, question of the week. You got something? Yes, but before we get to our question of the week, we have to give a shout out to our good buddy and Hall of Famer and Patreon and the taxman, Tony Barone of abcpainc.com. Tony is the man for all of your tax needs, whether you're a business, whether you're an individual, he can help you with all of it. He has done my taxes. He has done Zeus's taxes. He's incredible. He answers all your questions and walks you through every step of the way with anything that you might have concerns, questions. He's the man. Check him out. ABCPAinc.com. You can reach him there. You can call right there. You can send a message directly through the website, like another website I know about. And you can get in touch with him. And please reach out, can talk to him consult with him and talk some kiss with him and some rush too and tool he loves all that but tony barone abcpainc.com he's the man check him out for all your tax needs yeah tony and now we're going to get to our question which comes all the way from australia ryan fernandez hello mate so i am go i'm going to we, we do we have to do this sometimes for the sake of time I'm going to kind of change up his question a little bit because he, he asks, starts off by saying if you had to pick three albums. So I'm going to change this to pick for one album. If you had to pick one album from the Kiss catalog, what single would you have released from that album that you think would have made it more successful if it was the first single released? Oh, Jesus. Yes. Um. Wow. Now, we don't have to sit here and, and, and know every single that was released because, you know, the kiss times. What are you talking about? That was released. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. I'll answer. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. OK, because it's one of the biggest things that goes up my ass sideways that the single that was released from the Paul Stanley solo album is one of the worst songs in the entire kiss catalog. And that's hold me, touch me, fuck me, squeeze me, whatever the hell the song is horrendous. That was the single released from his album, which is full of bangers. And it, I would have picked anything besides that. Me personally, I would have picked tonight. You belong to me, but I could also see it's all right. Or wouldn't you like to know me would have been one of those three. Personally, I would have picked tonight. You belong to me, but to me, that's easy. That album is great, but I don't know how that's a single, and it's also on best of the solo albums. It's a terrible song, so that would have been an easy one for me. All right. Tom, I'm going to just throw it out there. Everybody's favorite deep cut. Maybe if they released Mr. Speed off of Rock and Roll Over, people would have got the hook. I know that Mr. Speed, I'm so fast. 
but for the time, I think they might have been better served if they released that as the first single from Rock and Roll Over. Although the album didn't suffer from anything because of singles, it still did well. I mean, this is a hard kind of thing to say something was going to do much better. Yeah. No, but you're right. Mr. Speed, is, it, 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 it is a little bit more accessible, quote unquote. So maybe it would have. But like you said, the band wasn't suffering at that point. But I think that's a good I think that's a good one. It's still shocking that it was never a single. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, great question, buddy. Thank you. And uh, greetings all the way from Australia. Thank you so much for contributing to the show with a question of the week. Yeah, Tom, where can people find us? Always go to our website, shoutitoutloudcast.com. That's where you can find everything related to the show. All of our episodes, the Shout Out Loudcast episodes, Dome Damage, Album Review Crew, Zeppelin Chronicles. You can comment and send messages directly from the website. We get those in the form of an email. You can also click on our Patreon link, get all the information there. Click on of our, click on all of our social media links. Amazon shopping page, all of our merch is available there. It's the one-stop shop for everything that you want re- related to Shout It Out Loudcast. All of our rankings, so the rankings that we just talked about, those will get updated after each time that we release, after each time that we review an album. So you can go and check that and pick up pick apart those rankings. And if you want your question of the week to be part of the show like Ryan's was, you can send us a message directly from the website. And as I said, it comes to us in the form of an email, or you can go straight to our email, which is shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. We read every single email. Zeus and I talk about them all. But as I always say, we can't get to all of them during the show because thankfully we do get a lot. It's a nice problem to have. But if that's the way that you want to communicate with us to get your question of the week, please do that. We bank them and we read one every week. So please do that. And of course, our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Trying to get active on TikTok. Trying. We'll see how that goes. But please, we're very, very active. So please make sure you're following us on all of those. And we always like to say that we are a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network of Shows. Yeah, you can always DM us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us one of those five-star child reviews. On Apple Podcasts, that helps the show tremendously, moves us up the food chain when you guys give us a ranking, and then we obviously will read it on the air and uh, give you a shout-out. Please remember to go to our website, shoutitoutloudcast.com, shoutitoutloudcast.com. As Tom mentioned, you can get all your Shout It Out Loudcast awesome merch there, our Amazon stores there, and all our rankings. You can go and check out where Dynasty is going to end up ranking, where the songs ended up ranking. It's a lot of fun. And you can always leave a comment, which will stay on the website when you make a comment. So uh appreciate all that. And what we do is we always end with famous last words. you have any, Tom? Oh, I do. Am I the master of your soul? Do you lose all control? Is it my fire or my flame? Do I drive you insane? Charisma! (laughs) (laughs) One day, you'll see. You'll come crawling back to me. I'm your one and only. That's a fact. Yeah. That's a good point. We have not done kiss lyrics with Arnold's voice lately. I appreciate the x-ray eyes 
Because sometimes when I'm in the movies, like the Terminator movies, I do have the X-ray eyes and they do a very effective. That's kind of my song. Hey, I've got the X-ray eyes and I can see right through your lies. Put that cookie down. (laughs) Stop pushing the button. Insufficient data. (laughs) Insufficient data, star child. You better get on and get the demon to do the demon things that you do. And the Phantom, the menace, you got the demon, you got the star child, you got the cat man walking around. Oh, God. Tom, Kiss Army, Loudcasters, thank you. Guys, you're the best. Thank you so much. Dynasty Tards, unite. Zeus, as always, my friend, thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. Hit the music. What I'd like now is for all you fat, out of shape, worldwide kiss tards to keep the noise down while I show your ladies what a real sexy man looks like. Listen, all you people out there sitting on rented furniture, settle down. Cut the music. Anybody seen Richie? Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.